Good morning. Are you awake out there? All right. <laughs> I do like a little bit of feedback up here to know that uh, I'm not the only one out here. So, good morning. That is great. It's good to be here this morning once again. I am Pastor Matt Beck. Um, for those of you who may not know who I am, but uh, this morning, if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be looking at the book at 1 Samuel. So you can turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 24. But we'll get there in just a minute. Uh, last week, Pastor Gary opened us up to the book of 1 Samuel. And he did such a wonderful job sharing with us the impact that we can have on our children and our grandchildren. We looked at the story of Hannah and the wise investments that she made in her family, in her faith, and in the future of her son, Samuel. Like Pastor Gary said, we have the responsibility to make sure that the next generation knows who God is and what he has done. In our passage of scripture this morning, we're going to take a look at the conclusion of this story. We started last week. It's a story about a woman who reached out to God in a heartbreaking prayer, seeking God's intervention into her life. And you know what happened? God answers her prayer. And we find that Hannah is a woman of her word. After she weans her son as a child, as a child she brings him to the temple in Shiloh and gives him to God for service in the temple. This was an act of obedience and faithfulness that many don't understand. An act that most in this world would stand back and ask, why? Why would you do that? Or why would God let that happen? This morning, I want us to see the obedience of Hannah. The faithfulness of Hannah. And finally, the joy and the contentment that Hannah had. All of these things came about in Hannah's life when those around her were asking, why? Why? And before we get into our study, I would like to start off our morning in prayer. Uh, so will you bow with me as we get, go to the Lord? God, I, I come before you right now just uh, with a humble heart. Lord, just knowing and recognizing that you are the, the ultimate Savior, King, Redeemer. You are my strength when I am weak. You are there when I fail. God, thank you. Thank you for allowing me this privilege of being able to study this message this week and for, for laying on my heart just the things that I need to work on. Lord, I pray right now that as we get into this study and as we look at Hannah, Lord, just that the example that she has set before us, that we would desire growth in our own lives. I love you, Lord. I thank you for all you do. For it's in your name I pray. Amen. Now, so often we find ourselves in a position where either we or those around us might be asking a question, why? A question about God that, what is it that God is calling us to do? What is my purpose in life? Why am I here what is it that God has for me? You know what? 
Hannah gives us a great example of one who is obedient, one who was faithful, and one who was joyful, even when others were asking this question, why? First, we can see that Hannah had made, a vow, had made a vow to God that if he would give her a son, that she would give her son back to God for service in the temple when he was ready. And God answered her prayer. He gave her a son. And the time for Samuel to begin his service in the temple was fast approaching. And I'm sure that there were many people who knew Hannah and how much she had prayed for this son to be born that were asking the question, why? Why are you doing this? You prayed so hard for this son to be in your life and to carry the family name, and you're just going to give him up? Why? Why would you give him back like that? So the first thing that we see in Hannah's response to them is obedience. Obedience. When the world asks why, Hannah obeyed. Look with me at verse 24 here in chapter 1. Verse 24 and 25 state this, after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull and an ephod of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. Now we can only imagine what Hannah's friends were thinking and asking her. After all, she had been childless for so many years. She had suffered so much mocking and ridicule by so many other people. She had cried herself to sleep so many nights, all because she did not have a child. All because she did not have a son. And yet now she is intent on completing her vow to God and taking her son, who is barely weaned, from her breast, and she is giving him to God to serve out the rest of his life as God's servant in the temple. I can imagine her friends and family saying, Hannah, why are you doing this? Why are you giving up your son to God? Why is God asking this of you? You know, the fact of the matter is that the world never sees God's plan as those who are in God's plan see it. The world always points a grim picture to God and his plan. They always seem to see God as taking something away from them or what God has not given to them in this life. They can't see what God is doing or what he has done. But in this situation and story, we know that Hannah saw her situation very differently than those around her must have seen it. Hannah saw God's blessing upon her life. She wanted to honor God's blessing by, by completing her vow to God in bringing Samuel to the temple to serve. Hannah had known God's blessing, but another thing Hannah understood was that obedience was and is God's first priority. It is the first priority for anyone who follows God. It's to obey God. Hannah had made a vow to God, and it was a vow that she had to keep. Hannah believed that God had answered her prayer, and now she was going to honor God by completing her vow. You know, I believe that today in the church and in our society, that we find far too many believers who do not stick with their vow to God. What is a vow, anyway? 
Well, I, of course, the, the internet is, is great with looking up definitions, and so I went to dictionary.com. And it states it this way, a vow is a solemn promise, a pledge, or a personal commitment. It could be something as simple as a vow to God during our prayer life. Or it could be something as far-fetched as a rash vow to God in our time of desperation. I mean, have you ever prayed something like, like this? God, if you will get me through this or get me out of this, I will. And then fill in the blank. When we make a vow to God, we must understand that it is a sacred promise. A sacred promise that God is going to hold us accountable to, to complete. For a modern day example of these sort of vows, we can look at the vows we offer up in our traditional marriage ceremony. We have a young couple here that's going to be getting married here soon. They're going to be offering up some vows between God and witnesses. And in a Christian marriage ceremony, we make our vows before God and any witnesses to love, to honor, and cherish each other in sickness and in health, in good times and bad, for richer or for poorer, until death separates them from each other. We make these vows and we expect God to bless our union, but there are many who abandon these vows because of one reason or another. And won't give a second thought to the fact that they were sacred promises to God. And that those sacred promises to God should be honored. Hannah, she made a vow. A sacred vow before God. God had delivered and now she was completely willing to honor her vow to God. What we find in Hannah is that she did not flinch or hesitate, but in total obedience to God, she fulfilled her vow to him. I can only imagine how hard that was for her to do. I know that it was such a painful thing to let go of the one thing that she had been praying for so long. It was going to hurt to let him go. But Hannah found peace and solace in her obedience to God. A peace and solace that we see evident in her prayer of praise in the next chapter. When we take the vows of marriage, we have to know that there will be hard times. When we just don't know how to, we're going to make it through, we must remember that the vow we made before God and that He is there and He will help us. We must find solace in our obedience to him. A little later, we find Hannah telling God, you did it. You answered my prayer. You delivered me from my affliction. And we can see Hannah found joy in her obedience because it was out of a true sense of thankfulness to God for this answer to her prayer. But at the end of chapter 1, not only do we find obedience when others ask why, but we also find our second point, and it's this. We find faithfulness, great faithfulness, when the world asks why. Look with me at verse 22, or 26 through 28. Verses 26 through 28, and it says this. And she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. 
So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is persevering when others want to quit. Faithfulness is finishing what you start even when you want to give up. Or even when you think it isn't worth it any longer. Hannah is a picture of faithfulness. As she comes to the temple in Shiloh, she presents her son, Eli, to the priest. Presents her son to Eli, the priest. You know what? Eli has long since forgotten his brief beating with Hannah. But Hannah reminds Eli that she was the lady who prayed that heart-wrenching prayer so many years ago. And today she is here to fulfill that vow that she made to God so many years ago. Hannah is a great picture of being faithful to God, even when it doesn't make sense to the world around us. Can you imagine the talk among her friends? Can you imagine Elkanah's reaction to Hannah's vow and her insistence in fulfilling that vow? When we surrender our hearts to God and we profess God is our Savior, we make a vow to Him to be our Savior and our Lord. This commitment to God is not one that we can take at our convenience. But it is one that we must honor even when the world looks on us and asks, why are you doing that? Why? Why would you give up so much? Why would you give up your job and surrender so much to go to the mission field? You could do so much better by giving more of your money to missions efforts. Why would you take your vacation and go on a missions trip? Why would you give more than 10% of your money to God? After all, he only requires 10%. Why would you give more? Why would you? And you fill in the blank. Or there's another way to look at this. We can look at this from another aspect. Why are you so faithful to God after all that has happened to you? Why do you serve God after what has happened to your husband? Or maybe to your wife or your children. Why are you so faithful to God when this tragic thing has happened? Why would you even serve God after he allowed this thing to happen? I can hear Hannah's friends and even her family members asking her, why? Why would you give up your only son? God answered your prayer and gave you your son. Surely he would not expect you to give him up like that. Why would you serve a God with all of your heart after God has allowed this or that to happen in your life? After God has allowed this pain or that suffering in your life? You know what we find out? We find out Hannah was faithful. Hannah honored her vow and her commitment to God even when it was hard. Even when others questioned her. You know, I can relate to Hannah in some ways. I can relate to the struggles that she may have been going through. These past couple of weeks have been quite difficult for me. I've experienced a number of challenges and attacks that have really caused me to evaluate my relationship with God. 
my call to ministry and my ability to even be a leader. However, every time I experienced that doubt or that failure, God had the right person show up right when I needed it. I am reminded daily that God still loves me and desires his best for me. And I want to tell the Lord right now, I just want to thank him. I want to say thank you. Thank you for the way that you carried me through. And I'm sorry for not relying in you more for each situation. I want to say thank you to Pastor Gary. I want to publicly say thank you for him for ministering to me this week. I'm amazed at how God uses people such as Pastor Gary to come into my life at the right moment, to walk into my office when I need to talk, to call me up right at the moment that I was struggling. Thank you for going the extra mile. I also want to publicly thank my, my parents for their godly counsel to me this week. Through the encouraging emails that I received, my mother sent me this article that I want to share with you that had a huge impact on me. It uh, comes from a, a devotional guide called Perfect Peace in Imperfect Times by Dan Walsh, and you can see it up here on the screen. But listen to this snippet that comes from here as I read. Almost every believer struggles to some extent. Some to a great extent with the timing of God. If we're honest, most of us would say, God moves a little too slowly for us. But things are not always as they seem. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as, high as, the, heavens, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. People who worry about uncertainties in their life often have this in common. They have lots of thoughts. Consider your present situation. Maybe the one that you're always thinking about right now. How many thoughts have you had about it so far? Dozens? Maybe hundreds? As I've sought to become more dependent on God, I've discovered a basic problem, an inner conflict between that de desire and the way I sometimes behave. Somewhere along the line, I became a person who thinks way too much. Hours in thought and minutes in prayer. During a trial, the sheer volume of thoughts I'd pile up trying to figure out a solution reveals whose mind and thoughts I trusted in the most. Mine. But I also realized some of my problems were too big to think my way out of. And many of my solutions I came up with just make matters worse. Also, God has thoughts. He has many thoughts too about the situation that perplexes us. His thoughts and his ways. What he does with his thoughts aren't just a little different than ours, but Isaiah puts it this way. It says, they aren't the same as ours at all. We don't think or do things the way God does. And here's why. God's thoughts and ways are infinitely higher than ours. The gap between our ideas and his are as high as the heavens are above the earth. 
And that's no small gap. God feels no stress as he manages the wonders of a universe. I feel stress as I ponder an unpaid bill. As I consider this gap between God's wisdom and mine, I realize why I often preferred my own thoughts and ideas to God's. God's ways seem much slower than mine. Whatever my situation, I can usually think of a handful of things that if done right away would fix my problem. If I were God, I'd do those few things right now. But that's not what happens. I don't have the power to pull off what I'm thinking, and God refuses to cooperate. So my problem continues far longer than I think it should. I do pray, but then I begin looking for an instant breakthrough. When it doesn't come, I'm tempted to stop praying and start thinking some more. Once, as I prayed and pondered this passage, I began to reflect on God's apparent slowness. I realized that God's ways seem slower because he takes all the necessary details into account in his solution. I may think of three things that need to happen, but you know what? God thinks of 30 things or 300 things. God's plan only seems slower because God is infinitely wise and we are not. When I look back at other situations God has rescued me from, I can see his wisdom vindicated. I see dozens of things that God caused or allowed to happen, things I never even would have considered that resulted in just the right solution to my dilemma. And here's a prayer to help get our thoughts more in sync with his. Lord, today I defer to your wisdom. And thank you for the evidences of grace already visible in my situation. I thank you for the promises in your word and your abounding patience toward me. And for all the testimonies of past situations where your faithfulness has passed every test. Help me to trust you fully in this new situation. And release it completely into your capable hands. Help me to pray more about this throughout the day and to think less. In Jesus' name, amen. Aren't those some great thoughts? That comes out of this book, Perfect Peace in Imperfect Times. You know, often God will tell us in our faithfulness, to, God will test us in our faithfulness to see if we are really willing to rest in who he is and what he's done for us. During these times of God's testing or troublesome attacks by the enemy, we may, see, we may not see the sense in staying faithful, but God has called us to be faithful. Hannah's faithfulness to her vow, commitment to God, is fleshed out through the nation of Israel, being able to have a just judge to rule over them for many, many years to come. Samuel was called at the right moment to help the nation of Israel. How was Hannah to know that? Hannah's faithfulness and her obedience to God and her commitment to God touched lives of countless others. How often do we think that what we do or don't do for God affects only us? 
Our vow to God, our sacred promise to God is not made in a vacuum, but it will touch the lives of many other people. Most of the time, without you even knowing it. Hannah was obedient and faithful in her commitment and vow to God. But we don't see her treating this as some drudgery or compulsory obedience. In her faithful obedience to God, we find Hannah rejoicing. Rejoicing, and that brings me to my third point. Rejoicing when the world asks why. Follow along with me here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. We're going to read Hannah's prayer. A prayer that she prayed to the Lord after what happened. Then Hannah prayed this, and she said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food. But those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, to, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. You know, when we are obedient and faithful to the calling of God on our lives, we find ourselves in the middle of the will of God. And there's no greater joy than to be in that and experience the will of God accomplished in and through your life. Hannah realized that God had allowed her to be a part of something truly special. It may not look joyous to those on the outside, but Hannah found great joy, not in losing her son, but in serving the Lord. She did not see this as losing her son, but saw it as serving the Lord and being faithful to the God she loved and to the God who had blessed her with a son. So often we don't experience the joy of God's plan for our lives. Because we are not obedient or faithful to carry out our commitment to God. 
when we remain obedient, and when we stay faithful to his calling on our lives, we're going to experience what Paul describes as the peace that passes all understanding. Scripture tells us that if we honor God, that he is going to honor us. It may not but be what the world sees as honor. It may not be understood by the world, but we are going to know God's honor. We are going to experience God's honor, and we are going to experience the great blessing of God through our obedience. Many of us think that our life is hard. Many of us have difficulties that we don't want to share with the world, but we feel as if God has let us down. Do you ever feel like life is dealing you some pretty terrible cards? I know that there are people here in this room this morning who have had some really difficult situations in their lives. Situations in which it may be hard for them to remain obedient to God. Where it will challenge their faithfulness to God. Situations that can lead them to not see the joy that God has for them. Before you throw in the towel, or before you give up on God, or give up on the joy that God has for you, I want to share a story with you. There once was a, a young man who graduated from Griffith University at 21 with a double major in accounting and financial planning. He decided he did not want to be stuck in an office, so he decided to launch a career as a motivational speaker. He was pretty good at it, and he began to travel all over the world, and he found he had a great audience in addressing teen issues and the struggles that they have and the difficulties that the world presents to them today. He has spoken to over 3 million people in over 24 countries on five continents. He speaks to teens and about teen-related issues. But also he speaks to corporate audiences and schools as well. This young man promotes his efforts through TV shows and through his writing. His first book was published in 2010, and it was a top 10 seller. Now he is marketing a motivational DVD and a short documentary that was originally filmed in 2005. Part of the documentary highlights this young man's life and was actually filmed at one of his first motivational speeches. He has starred in short films and won awards doing so. This young man, we will call him Nick, has accomplished so very much in his life that many of us would secretly wish that we had his outlook and his life. Well, his name is Nick Vojacic, and he was born in Brisbane, Australia, with no arms, no legs, due to a condition known as Tetra Amelia Syndrome. Take a look at the picture here. Nick struggled throughout his childhood. Not only did he deal with the typical challenges of school, adolescence, but he also battled depression and loneliness. He constantly wondered why he was different than all the other kids. He questioned his purpose in life, or if he even had a purpose in life. 
His family and friends and the many people in his life encouraged him. And they have also inspired him to overcome his struggles. But his victory over his situation happened when he read the story of the man born blind in John chapter 9. Where Jesus said that the man was born blind so that the miracles of God could be seen through his blindness. This touched his life deeply. And it was then that he understood that he was, that his prayer for a miracle in his life had already been answered. He was the miracle. It was at this time that he met God and experienced God's love wash over him. It is not the greatest story. And I actually tried to find a video that I could play up here, but for some reason our computer would not play the video. So I encourage you to go watch his testimony. He is an amazing young man. I have viewed several videos of him and his testimony. You can Google his name. But one thing that I hear over and over from him is that if only one soul comes to know Christ because of his testimony. It's all worth it. Nick was born with what many of us would consider a debilitating handicap, and that his life would be hopeless and without happiness or joy. So often we try to put God in a box and tell God that we would be happy if he would do this or that for us. To meet our demands of happiness. When you read the testimony or listen to the testimony of this fella, he has more joy coming out of him than anyone I've ever known. He is an amazing young man. And the things that he has overcome, he loves to swim. He's a swimmer. And it's an amazing thing to see him get out there in the pool and do it. And he'll tell you, it's, it's not an easy thing. But God has helped him to overcome trials and struggles. No matter what he said he was going through, his desire was that God would use him to bring others to Christ. You know what the truth is about happiness? Happiness cannot be found in things. Happiness cannot be found in a position. Happiness can't be found in people. Family, money, sex, drugs, or anything else that this world can offer us. We can only find true joy and contentment when we are in the center of God's will. We cannot allow the circumstances of life to, dedicate, to dictate our joy. We cannot allow the situations of our life to define what happiness is. We cannot allow the choices of other people to force us away from the joy and the contentment we experience in the middle of God's will. Today you have heard the story of Hannah's victory. You have seen her obedience to God when others would have complained and questioned God's intentions. You have seen her faithfulness to God when others would have thrown in the towel and given up on God. You have seen her joy and her victorious celebration when God touched her life, a joy and a victory that she never would have experienced had she not been obedient and had she not remained faithful. 
When others were asking why, Hannah was obedient. When others were asking why, Hannah was faithful. When others were still asking why, Hannah was rejoicing because of God's victory in her life. How about you this morning? Is there some situation in your life where you are asking God, why is this happening to me? Or, God, how can you let this happen? I am sure that both Hannah and Nick asked those questions at one time or another. But what we see in both situations is that they did not become consumed by them. What we do see is that they both rested in the promise that God has given us, that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Even when we don't understand why, God is still there. God is there, and even if you never get your question answered. And for the most part, we never do. God is still there, and God loves you and desires a close, intimate relationship with you. God wants you to rest in him through your difficulties, your questions about why this life is so hard, why these terrible things have to happen to me, why did they make that choice, why did that situation have to happen? And this morning, I want you guys to open up to God. This is your opportunity, here and now, to give it to God. I want you, I'm, we're going we're gonna to open up the altar this morning, down front here. If you are struggling with something, asking the questions why, I want you to come down and throw yourself to a compassionate and loving God. A God who wants to hear your prayer. A God who wants to heal your heart. A God who wants to soothe your pain. A God who wants to invite you into his family through his love grace and merciful forgiveness if you're struggling with a difficult situation we're going to let you come down here and pray by yourself it's between you and God I want to call you to come down and seek out God who wants you he wants you and he wants to show his love wash over you and your soul. We're going to pray, and then we'll close in a song. If the Lord leads you to come, come. If the Lord is working on your heart, come. God, I know that uh, there are things in my own life that I am struggling with, and and Lord, I, I pray right now, as I give them over to you, that you would help me to see the joy and peace and patience that you have for me. Lord, I desire to be obedient. I desire to be faithful. Thank you. I desire to change my attitude and to be joyful in no matter what I'm going through. I pray for these people out here. Lord, whatever you're doing amongst our congregation, I know that you have great things planned for us. I know that, there, that the plan for our church is to succeed and to see us reach many people in this city. Open our hearts, Lord, to you. Open our hearts to your love. 
open our hearts. In your name I pray. Amen.